everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name is Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, real good. I got my uh, hot cup of Joe over here. Isn't it cool how coffee's called Joe? Yeah, I wonder where that originated from. I don't know. Probably some dude named Joe. Probably. You're right. I just I just felt like I was uh, Norm MacDonald. God rest his soul. Yeah. I felt like probably some get from a guy named Joe, I would imagine. Then the crowd laughs, like, you know, kind of uncomfortably. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Norm MacDonald stand up. Not really. He's a very dry, very dry comedian. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows him from Saturday Night Live. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm having my uh, French press here. No, French uh, roast. Love a nice dark roast. Then did you know that in uh, dark roasts, there's less caffeine than like a lighter roast? I did not know that. I just recently learned that from reading on a uh, some guy that worked at Starbucks. Who'd have thought? Yeah. They say when you get like a blonde, co- blonde cappuccino or something like that, that it's actually higher caffeine. Hmm. You think like, you know, lighter and you know probably less caffeine, but it's not. No. Yeah. So uh, how's it going this week? Good. We're getting ready to take our little getaway to Chicago. You're darn tootin' we are. Go to your brother's wedding shower. By the time this is aired, we will be back or no? Close to it. Okay. So yeah. 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 So we're hey, we're always looking out for our listeners over here, trying to get you guys some good content. At least you are. You're always the one looking out for for people yes. doing the research. Yes, me. It's all on me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to going to Chicago. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, like a week ago, you said um, our son, our 13-year-old son, he had some friends over, and it was an insane sleepover. The guys were just like yelling like crazy. They might be out of their minds. They all might be psychopaths. It was awful. Um, I, I don't know if this is how all 13-year-olds are, or just these kids, they're they're just crazy. So um, it was awful, and we bought a bunch of snacks and all that kind of stuff, You know, preparing for them, and pizza rolls, and Doritos and all that good stuff. And uh, by the time they left, you notice they're like, well, they didn't eat much pizza and they had they did okay on the snacks and everything. And what'd you say? You were like, uh, man, when will teenagers start being teenagers? You hear that teenage boys eat you out of house and home. Right. But our kids, like our 13-year-old, he doesn't really eat that much. Well, it's weird. Well, then I said, well, he's 13. He just became a teenager. True. I mean, wait until he's 16 or 17. I keep waiting for that, though. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you hear, we go through blah, 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 boxes of cereal a week. Like, that doesn't happen in our house. Yeah. And I was like, well, he just became a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, he does eat strangely, though. Like, we woke up this morning. We could tell he had Apple Jacks at some point because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't go to bed till like, 3 a.m. Then there was a burrito wrapper. Then there was a Dorito wrapper. So, like, we, we tell him, you are, like, the worst uh, criminal or liar or whatever you would ever be. Like, we see the trail of where you were and what you ate and what you did. Oh, it's fantastic because we know he, we, we catch him red-handed with everything. Right. I mean, he might be sleeping with, like, orange Cheeto fingers right now. <laughs> exactly. You know, we'd be like, hey, bud, did you eat the Cheetos? He's like, um, and we're like, hey, well, you have orange Cheeto fingers. So what do you think the answer is, bub? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. So, yeah, good times. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to our vacation. Um, anything else? No, that's about it. Okay. Our little pup is coming with us, so she's going to be her first time on an airplane. Yeah, she had herself a little upper respiratory infection, so got her on some antibiotics and should be good to go there. Yep, but, and she's going to fly under our seat because, you know, she weighs all of four and a half pounds. Yeah, well, actually, she went up to 4.8 pounds because we were pet sitting and she got to eat some puppy food. <laughs> yeah. So she was a bit chubby. She was. Every single time we filled up that bowl, it was like gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, hey, let's jump into it. All right, let's do this. All right, I'm going to put it out there right right off oh, the get-go. Real quick, if you're listening to this and you enjoy this at all, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We very much appreciate it. Very much. Thank you, guys. So I'm going to just put a disclaimer out there from the get-go that this is a truly 
horrific story. Is this the Knoxville one? Yes. Because I was looking behind your shoulder while you were researching and I saw Knox News and I was like, oh, Knoxville, huh? Yeah. And there's just no two ways about it. And there's a lot of trigger warnings here. There's torture that happens. Oh, no. Sexual assault. It's it's just straight up awful. Usually with these episodes, we have a lot of people that listen and then they stop listening somewhere in the middle. Because it's too hard to get through. Yeah. So we'll see how this one So we'll see. And we understand if it's too much to handle because it it is. That's what it is. So this is the torture and murder of Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom. And anytime you hear the word torture that goes along with murder, it's just horrible. So on the night of January 6, 2007, 21-year-old Shannon Christian and her 23-year-old boyfriend, Christopher Newsom, headed out to celebrate a friend's birthday party in Knoxville, Tennessee. They never made it to the party. Mm. So Shannon was a sociology major at the University of Knoxville. She had moved from Louisiana to Tennessee in 1997, and her family settled in Farragut, which is an upscale community in West Knoxville. At the time, she had been dating Christopher Newsom for about two months. Christopher was a varsity basketball player in high school and lived in a more blue-collar area of Knoxville. He graduated in 2002 and began working as a carpenter. He chose to forego the college path. Mm -hmm. Just like Jesus. That's right. I actually thought the exact same thing when I was researching this. (laughs) Every time somebody says carpenter, I think of Jesus. Yeah, me too. Um, And, you know, Knoxville is kind of an up-and-coming area right now. Um, It's a lot of people. We went through there while we were going to the the mountains in Tennessee. Yeah, we stopped over, and I think, I forgot what we did there, but it looked super cute. I think we picked up some some stuff, like, as we were going. Yeah. And there was, like, a cute little town area. It was adorable where we were. Hmm. So we've never spent an amount of time there, but we did stop off, and it looked super cute. So, um, despite the two being very different people, Christopher and Shannon had plenty of chemistry. Hugh Newsom, which is Christopher's father, said that Christopher had admitted that he was in love with Shannon, and Shannon's friend said that the feelings were mutual and she felt the same way towards him. So, on the night of the party, which was, again, January 6, 2007, Shannon headed over to Washington Ridge Apartments in her silver 2005 Toyota 4Runner. She was meeting her friend Kara Sowards and planning to meet up with Chris later in the me- and in the meantime, Chris has sp- had spent his day playing golf with his friend Josh Anderson. He then went home and showered and Chris's parents asked him if he was going to have dinner with them and he said no, I'm going to eat later on with Shannon. So about 8 p.m., Kara left the apartment complex for the party and Shannon stayed behind and she let her know um, I will be seeing you at the party in a little bit with Chris. So uh, they were heading over to Jamie Hampton's house. She was throwing herself a birthday party that night. So after Kara left, Shannon surfed the internet and just waited for Chris to arrive. And Chris had left his parents' house in the early evening to meet Shannon. He drove his pickup truck and picked up his friend Josh that he was playing golf with. He had told him he would give him a ride to the party. So he dropped him off at the party and then headed over to the apartment complex where Shannon was waiting for him. So it was about a 10-minute drive to the apartments from the party. And when he arrived, he parked and went inside. Meanwhile, at the party, their friends waited for them to arrive. They started to get annoyed when it was clear that they weren't coming. And multiple friends called both Chris and Shannon's phones. But by 10 p.m., they were going straight to voicemail. So it was a small enough party that they would definitely be recognized as not coming. Absolutely. Especially when they're saying, like, we'll see you there. Yeah. And it's like, well, where the heck are they? And they're looking forward to seeing them. Sure. Yeah. 
especially when it's a you know a cute couple that's going to add to the fun. Mm-hmm. So at about 12.30 p.m., now we're moving on to Sunday, January 7th, two friends, um, Josh, the one we had mentioned before, and another man named Justin Russell left Jamie's party to look for them. They started their search at the Washington Ridge apartment complex where they knew they were both going to, you know, head out that night. And you said 1230 p.m., right? So afternoon. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. 1230 a.m. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. So it's in the, yeah, in the, at night. Yeah. So okay. we're after midnight and we're now moving on to Sunday, January 7th. So they noticed that Chris's pickup truck was in the parking lot of the apartment complex, but Shannon's car was nowhere to be found. This struck them as odd because when the couple would uh, typically go out, they would take Chris's truck and he would drive. Sure. So they were surprised that it was the opposite way around. They were irritated with their friends, assuming that the couple just kind of ditched them. and Blew them off. Yeah. Being flaky. But did something else. So at 1230 that morning, only, you know, a 10 minute difference from when, what I'm talking about now. Um, Shannon's parents got a call from her. She said that she and Chris got dinner and they were watching a movie and that she would be home in a couple of hours. Wow. A lot of people awake at 1230. I know. I thought the same thing. (laughs) I was like, I know I wouldn't be up after midnight. You're sleeping about three hours by that point. (laughs) Exactly. And it's really courteous that she called her parents because she is an adult. She's 21. But you know, they still worry. They're her parents. So when 3.30 a.m. rolled around, I guess Shannon's mom was waiting up for her. She still hadn't come home. Mm. So her mom tried calling her, but she didn't answer. She went to bed, and when they woke up the next morning, Shannon still wasn't home. So their worry grew when they learned that she and Chris hadn't shown up to the party because at this point in time, they start she, they started contacting her friends. Hey, have you seen her? Nope, she never came to the party. So after Shannon's boss then called and she re- the parents realized that she didn't come to work, that's when they really started to worry because she was a very reliable person that would never have skipped out on a, a shift at work. Well, so many of these things adding up. One, she's not coming home that night. Like, oh, maybe she slept somewhere else, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, she didn't even go to that party? Oh, crap. None of her friends know where her, she is? And right. then all of a sudden, okay, maybe they went on a fun weekend together, whatever, and now she's not going to work. Exactly, because she was with her boyfriend. It's possible that the two got caught up doing something else and said, eh, let's catch a movie or sure. whatever. Like you said, she's an adult. Exactly. So at the same point, they're realizing that no one also knows where Chris is. Right. So not only is Shannon missing, but so is her boyfriend. And automatically you go to think something about the guy. Like, you know, um, he's trying to take her somewhere or whatever. Or maybe they're eloping. You know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, they had only been together for a couple of months, but oh, still. Yeah. So they started calling local hospitals trying to see what the heck could have happened to their kid. They decided to file a missing persons report with the Knoxville Police Department. But police basically told them because they were both adults, they really had to wait 24 hours in the, until they can do an investigation. Did Chris have parents or anything like yes, that? Yes, yes. And Chris's parents did get involved too. So both of the families knew that it's not characteristic of them to just go AWOL and not call home and let them know. They both knew something was up. They knew something was wrong and they were not going to just sit there for 24 hours waiting for the police to do something. So where they started was Shannon's parents contacted their cell phone provider to figure out where the location was that her phone last pinged. Can you do that? Apparently so. They got the information. They probably own the phone line. I'm assuming that's the case because had they not, I don't think they could have got that information. Yeah, I think you'd need some kind of search warrant you or something. Would. You would. So I'm assuming they shared the plan together. So where they realized that it had last pinged was a location on Cherry Street, which happens to be in a high crime neighborhood. 
A Knoxville news reporter described it by saying, it's not an area you go to unless you live there or unless you're up to no good. Mm -hmm. So in other words, they would have no reason to go to that part of town. Well, there's some bad parts of Knoxville. There's, uh, I think the crime rate's pretty bad there. Okay. I had never known that, but I guess any city is going to have areas. No, Knoxville especially. Uncharacteristically. Yeah, there's like uh, Kansas City, Knoxville. You know, Memphis, you said too. Memphis is really bad, like the murder rate per capita. It's not the big cities you would think like Chicago, New York. Okay. It's like if you look up murder capita cities with the highest you know, murder per capita, uh-huh. it's it's like Knoxville, Memphis, um, I think some Louisiana somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So they also found that after Shannon had called them at 1240 a.m. to say, you know, I'm watching a movie. I'll be home in a couple hours. Her voicemail had been accessed. I always say, is it accessed? I say accessed. <laughs> I it's what however you want to say it. Me. After it had been accessed, it had been accessed three times. Once at 3 a.m., once the next afternoon at 1.30 p.m., and then at 1.37 p.m. And accessed meaning somebody checked her voicemail checked. Okay. three times. Good to know. And in order to check her voicemail, you had to put in an access code to get through through to it or an excess code an excess code (laughs) so gary shannon's dad and her brother chase decided to drive around the area where her phone had last pinged and try to find her car because they knew it was missing from the apartment complex they ended up finding it at 1 30 a.m on monday january 8th on gilder avenue avenue excuse me near chipman street how the hell did they find it just drove around where there? her phone pinged. No, they were looking for her car, not her oh, cell phone. Okay. Yeah, because they knew her her car had been moved. So the family then contacted the Knoxville Police Department again and let them know, hey, not only is my daughter still missing, we found her car in this area. We've started doing the police work for you. Yes. <laughs> So what they didn't realize at the time was that the day before, which was Sunday the 7th, at noon, an engineer named John Ford, who worked at the railroad, found a charred and still smoldering body near the railroad tracks. Oh, my God. It was near Cherry Street and 9th Avenue in the area where Shannon's phone had last pinged. The body was so badly burned that it couldn't be recognized or identified that day. I guess it was a Sunday. I don't know if they didn't have the staff on. They didn't identify it that day. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was like they couldn't even tell. So they needed to go to dental records. So it needed to take a couple more days. I'm not entirely sure how they came to figure out. But an autopsy ended up being done. And it was determined that the body belonged to 23-year-old Christopher Newsome. So his face, and this is just, I'm going to tell you some really, really awful details. I was expecting Shannon. So it's to the boyfriend. It's the boyfriend. Christopher, yes. Did did they say how big he was? Mm, I saw pictures of him. He wasn't like, yeah, he was an average size guy. He wasn't like bigger, bulky, or anything like that. Yeah. But, um, and again, I'm just going to give you the cold hard facts, and I'm going to tell you that some of the information I'm going to report here is awful. Just awful. So fast forward if you want. If you would like to, you could skip ahead. So the way that he was found was that his face and head were wrapped in a sweatshirt and a sock had been placed in his mouth. A shoelace was tied around his neck, securing the sweatshirt in place. A blue bandana had been tied around his eyes and he was naked from the waist down. His shoes were missing. His own belt had been tied around his ankles and the other shoelace had bound his hands behind his back. There were floral strips of cloth fabric that laid nearby and a broken dog leash was strewn to the side and investigators felt that this leash was used to lead him to his death. So Chris's feet were muddy, which indicated that he had walked barefoot to the location where he was found. 
He was found to have been viciously raped by an object that caused severe rectal damage, and semen was also find, found inside his body as well. Holy cow. He was then wrapped into a comforter, doused with gasoline, and 80% of his body had been burned. He had been shot three times, once on the right side of his head, on the right side of his neck, and in the back. He died before he had been burned because there were no signs of smoke inhalation. The wound that killed him was the bullet to the head. He had been shot execution style with the gun barrel actually placed to his head. The back of his head, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, no. So, meanwhile, the police are searching Shannon's car, and they found no traces of blood. They found that a, they found that the, a couple of bags of clothing that Shannon had kept in her car, she was going to donate them to charity, were no longer in there, and her overnight bag had also been missing. The front seats of the car had been moved all the way back and mud coated the floor and the back floorboards of the car. And they found an empty Newport cigarette pack that neither Chris nor Shannon smoked. So they knew that it didn't belong to them. So the car was checked for fingerprints, but it had been white wiped clean. And Ed Kingsbury, who was an investigator with the Knoxville PD, said that the fact that it was wiped clean you know, is clearly it's an ominous red flag. Yeah, somebody had a, a plan here. Mm -hmm. But they did find uh, an envelope for a bank statement in Shannon's car. So they did dust that for fingerprints and it came back positive and matched to a convicted felon named, L I'm sorry, Lamericus Davidson, who was a 25-year-old drug dealer who had just gotten out of prison after serving five years for carjacking and aggravated robbery. They found that he was renting a house on Shipman Street, only a, a few blocks from where Chris's body was found, and near the Cherry Street area where Shannon's phone had pinged. Mm. So it's all tying to this 25-year-old Lamericus Davidson. Yeah, why would they have his bank thing in that in their car randomly? His fingerprints were in Shannon's car, yeah. and it was uh -oh. all in the location where okay. they're, you know, belonging. Yeah. So on Tuesday, January 9th, police got a search warrant and they went to the small house. They entered the house at 1.30 p.m. and no one was home when they arrived. When they entered the kitchen, they saw something that was out of place and not normally in a kitchen. It was a big outdoor garbage can sitting in the middle of the room. Mm. So obviously, this is not a good sign. When they opened the garbage can, they noticed that there was a trash bag or multiple trash bags in there, which contain sadly Shannon's body. Uh, I was wondering if that was going to be next. That sucks. So at 3.30 p.m., her body was removed from the house and an autopsy was done. Again, we're moving on to some gruesome details here. So feel forward to fast forward for another, what, 30 seconds or so? Maybe more, maybe okay. a minute or so. So Shannon had been violently raped, vaginally, orally, and anally. The trauma was extreme. She had been viciously kicked and punched in the genital area, not just once, but you could tell it was multiple times. Repeated, lots of bruises, heavy trauma. Yes. Ah. Her genital areas and mouth had been scrubbed with an abrasive agent, and they found bleach had been used also. She had even been forced to drink the bleach. What the hell? Despite this, they were able to obtain DNA evidence from the semen that was found in all three cavities. She was badly bruised. She was scratched and had carpet burns on her body. Her gums had been torn. She had been forced and bound in a tight fetal position. Her thighs were bound to her chest with a pink curtain, like fabrics of the curtain that also were similar to the fabric that they found near Chris's body. Oh, and her ankles were bound with strips of bedding. Her head was forced down to her knees. 
A white plastic bag had covered her head and was knotted in the back. She was then placed, while still alive, into five garbage bags and then placed into the large garbage bin. She was naked from the waist down, just as Chris was. Placed in five garbage bags? Like, he used five to five wrap her up? Five to wrap her up and then place her into the garbage can. And, I mean, she was probably unconscious, but still alive. Right. She was still alive when this happened. She was wearing a shirt with a blood stain on it and a camisole underneath. Not only had she been raped by multiple men, but also by a large object. Oh, multiple men. So, yes. So oh, we'll get no. into, obviously, the details of that. Okay. And a large object. So, yes. Uh, so just what a, like, treated like a toy. Like an absolute, you can't even imagine. Yeah. And from the way that she had been um, positioned, her actual cause of death was positional asphyxiation. Oh, no. So it wasn't just the bag that was over her head, which, of course, is going to ultimately impede your bleeding, or I'm sorry, your breathing but the way that she was positioned like didn't allow for her to properly breathe well she was probably placed into that garbage can and forcefully you know bent over you know probably her nose touching her knees and imagine how hard that is to breathe especially when you've been through all this trauma right and then just imagine the suffocation going on you're trying to breathe harder and harder and you just can't that's just terrible so she was basically left to slowly suffocate and it was determined that she died within about 10 to 30 minutes after being placed with the bag on her head and into the bin. Could you imagine? No, I can't. And it's just brutal to even think that this actually happened. Poor girl and poor guy, both of them. So it was determined that she died between Sunday and Monday afternoon. The house contained her clothing. There were pictures from her car. There was an iPod that had been inscripted by her parents, and Chris's things were also found in the house. The house contained very little furniture. Some of the furniture that was there was broken, and police assumed that Shannon and both Chris had been raped by a chair leg from a broken piece of furniture. Just similar injuries, probably. And yeah, oh gosh, and deepness and all that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I can't imagine having to investigate that. No. So the house was situated next to a waste management company. It was in a very um, industrial type of location. It wasn't like in a neighborhood or anything like that. So a witness who was working at the waste management company that night that they went missing was waiting out in the parking lot for a good bit to um, meet one of his fellow employees or coworkers. So he was able to stand there and kind of observe observe the house that night. So he said that the porch light was on of the house and the house seemed busy. At 12.50 a.m., he saw Shannon's car leave the house and noted that four African-American men were in the car. Another witness came forward saying that he lived a block away and heard three pops that night about 1.45 a.m. It was assumed that this would have been when Chris was shot at the railroad tracks because he was found with three bullets in his body. A third witness said that on Sunday at 7.45 a.m., he saw smoke rising from the direction of the train tracks, but he didn't investigate it. It's Again, it's a very industrial area. It's not like you'd be like, oh, I got to go see what's going on over at those train tracks. And plus, if it's a bad area, do you want to get yourself involved in something going on? Also, you know, I mean, it's like just people moving around and doing stuff, partying, whatever they might be doing. Burning garbage, whatever it might be. Yeah. So while searching the murder scene, a video was found that had been rented from a library in Kentucky and belonged to a a man named George Thomas. I'm going to call him George most of the time. 
Um, They also questioned Daphne Sutton, who was Davidson's girlfriend. Now, again, Davidson is the one that had the fingerprint on the bank statement in Shannon's car, and that's who this house had been leased to. Lamarius Davidson. Yes, Lamaricus Davidson. I'm going to call him Davidson. He went by a stupid name, Slim, but I'm just going to call him Davidson. So the house had been leased to Daphne, but they both lived there. Mm -hmm. So... um, So Daphne was Davidson's girlfriend? Yes. Oh, my God. They questioned her. And basically, she had been living up in in the house up until about the point that all of this went down. But uh, I guess they had broken up like basically that day or the day before. So he's probably pissed off. Mm -hmm. and trying to take it out on somebody else. Yes. So she told police that on January 7th, Davidson had been at the house with George Thomas, Davidson's half-brother, Latelvis Cobbins, who goes by the name Rome, and I'm going to call him Rome. So this is Davidson's half-brother. And also a woman named Vanessa Coleman. She said that she last saw Davidson when she dropped him off later that day at the home of a man named Eric Boyd. So now they're thinking that there's five suspects involved, the people I just named. Yeah, they keep on finding out more people. Mm-hmm. So on January 11th, authorities found two subjects, or some, sorry, suspects, Rome and um, George Thomas, who the video had been tied to. They were found in Lebanon, Kentucky, where they actually lived. This was about 133 miles away from Knoxville. Wow, quite a trip. Later that day, Davidson was found at a vacant home on Reynolds Street in Knoxville. He was wearing Chris's shoes. On oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on January 12th, Eric Boyd was served with a federal warrant. Vanessa Coleman, Rome's girlfriend, I'm not entirely sure. I'm assuming they found her in Kentucky. They didn't say. Doesn't but matter. regardless, they found all five of them. Nice. So That's in, some pretty good police work. Mm-hmm. I mean, this all happened pretty quick, too. It like did. you said, the ninth, only three days after. Yeah, so, so it, it all happened pretty quickly. Yeah. So in the days before Shannon and Chris were abducted, Davidson's brother, Rome, came to stay with him from Kentucky and brought his girlfriend, Vanessa Coleman, and George Thomas with him. No one in the group had a job. No one had money. No one had a car. Rome and George were basically homeless. I know that we said they were found in Lebanon, Kentucky. Who they were staying with, I don't know, but it certainly wasn't their own home. Couch surfing, just trying to find anybody, meet somebody, be like, hey, can I crash your place for a night? Right. And apparently Vanessa had a decent family, but she just chose to go the wrong path. Mm. So as the days passed, Davidson's anger grew. He felt like his brother and his guests were freeloading off of him. Now, again, this guy had recently been uh, released from prison where he had been for five years. He has no money. He has no nothing. And now he's got these three guests staying at his house. He felt like they were taking advantage of him. So he decided to come up with a plan. Of course, it wasn't an honest way to make money, because why would you go out and get a job? You know, when you can just take it from people. He said he was planning to find someone to carjack. And with the help of his brother and Eric Boyd, they were going to go and do this. So during the investigation, Rome insisted that he wasn't down with this idea. Of course, everybody's basically pointing fingers at the other person. Well, if I can interject, mm-hmm. um, two things, two thoughts. One, thank God for all these people talking, because a lot of times you could be like, no, I'm not talking to police. Uh, good luck. Go right. try to find this guy. So obviously, these people don't really like this Davidson fella cause, and all his friends, because they know they're wrapped up in some bad stuff. Number two... People getting out of prison, it's really hard for them to find jobs because I used to, you know, I used to be a manager and director of sales and all this stuff. And we just look at people's police reports. And if it was anything aggressive, we would be like, no, we can't even bring them in. You know, I don't think that's legal, but 
that company's gone now. So, um, you know, it's like we don't want somebody in our building who's that has be, a potential for robbing you guys. Correct. Exactly. So that's why it's really hard. And, it, you know, you got to help people that are coming out of jail to help them find them jobs. Otherwise, they go back to carjacking yeah. and the stuff that they used to do. Yeah. You know? Right. And I do. I, I understand that it must be extremely difficult. But there's also a choice to make. You want to make it the honest way or not. And carjacking is going to get you back in the pokey. So Eric Boyd denied any role in Chris and Shannon's abduction, and there was no true forensic evidence that tied him to the crimes. So when police interviewed all the suspects, like I said, they were all blaming the other person. Sure, they don't want to have the finger pointed no, at them. No, they do not. So when Shannon and Chris headed out that evening, they were ambushed in the parking lot of the apartment complex where they were. Basically, what happened was, I guess they did get into Shannon's car, even though they people said they don't normally take her car, they take Chris's. And her car was what, the forerunner? Yes, the forerunner. Okay. So apparently, she was in the driver's seat. And Chris had walked over to her window to give her a kiss. Of course, you know, they're a cute, adorable couple that's in, you know, blissful love. And one of those where you just can't keep your hands off of each other. Yeah, I remember those days. Remember those days when we were so cute? (laughs) Long time ago. I always say, we used to be so cute. Over 20 years ago. (laughs) By the time we were married, the butterflies were gone. (laughs) Just they're dead. The butterflies were decayed. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like worms. So they were just, you know, being sweet and cute with each other. And what they didn't realize was that a car was pulling into the parking lot with ill intentions. So what set out to be a carjacking ended up being a kidnapping. Why the fuck would you like, if you're looking to make some money, take the goddamn car and leave people alone. What happened was apparently they approached them at gunpoint and a car pulled into the area, flashing their headlights on them. They panicked and forced Chris and Shannon into the backseat of the car. It's like, we don't have time for this. Get in the car. We're going. Yeah. They wanted to just quickly, I guess, just like just get out of there. get out of there exactly so both were blindfolded and their wrists were bound i guess with whatever they could find i don't even maybe the shoelace i'm not sure and forced into the back seat davidson drove shannon's car back to where his house was um it was four miles away from the apartment complex why not dump them off just throw them out Here, the door get out yeah i'm taking the car like go ahead and stop it to like 10 miles an hour kick them out the door yep Exactly. And you know, it all happened so quickly and it was dark outside. They wouldn't have known these guys and been able to give a good description. I don't know if it was the fact that they saw them, but anytime you're carjacking, they're going to see you. Yeah. So I don't know why it turned into a kidnapping, but it did. So Rome followed in a car that Boyd had borrowed from his cousin behind. So they were brought inside um, Davidson's house where I guess Vanessa, Rome's girlfriend, was sitting there playing video games. An argument started between Davidson, Boyd, Rome, George, and Vanessa. George and Davidson didn't really know each other well, and they also did not like each other. (laughs) Vanessa told police that Davidson told George, in order for you to build my trust, you're going to have to do something for me. So none of the suspects admitted their involvement in Chris's death, but trial testimony, statements, and forensic evidence suggested that Davidson, Rome, Boyd, and George forced Chris into the rear cargo part of the car, leaving Shannon alone at the Chipman house with Vanessa. This is when they headed towards the train tracks to end Chris's life. So So these two girls are at home alone. Alone in the house. Oh, my God. So Vanessa, Vanessa's her name. Mm Mm-hmm like wouldn't you just be like all right just go girl yes. like get out get out of here yes that's what i would assume so. well i'm assuming that davidson or george or whatever were like do not let her go or it's your ass basically. i'm sure that happened too yeah 
So despite semen being found in Chris's body, DNA couldn't be recovered because of the fire. He had been raped within an hour of his death. Now that's interesting. So yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't know where the, maybe one of them were gay or maybe all of them, or maybe it was just a a passion thing. I don't know. Like a, well, they did find male pornography on Boyd's cell phone. Okay. However, he couldn't be charged because they couldn't identify it to him. Right. Just because you have male pornography doesn't mean that's interesting. Yeah. So it's assumed that Chris was also raped, like I said, by that broken chair leg. And he was likely beaten at the house for about two hours based on the injuries that he also had suffered. He was then let outside and driven to the railroad tracks. Again, why? Like, why all this stuff? Like, I don't know. Maybe hit him a couple times and leave him. You know, don't light him on fire. This is all just brutal. I'm sure they lit him on fire to try to destroy any evidence. Right, right. So forensic proof and suspect statements showed that Davidson forced George to fire the first shot at Chris, hitting him in the neck. As he fell forward, another bullet hit him in the back, and then Davidson fired the execution shot to his head. So this was George proving that he's loyal to him, basically. Yes, this is what he was doing in order to build his loyalty with Davidson. And Davidson finished him off. Yes, he he delivered what you would call the kill shots. Hmm. So once they went back to the house where Shannon and Vanessa were, Davidson and George chained their blo- changed their bloodied clothing, grabbed a comforter and gas can, and went back to the train tracks to roll up Chris's body and set him on fire. At any point, is anybody like, hey, why are you taking gas to the train station or <laughs> to the train tracks? Well, who would be asking that? Vanessa, I guess. No, I don't think Vanessa really cares. Yeah. In the meantime, Shannon had been taken to the back bedroom and placed on an air mattress. They bound her hands and feet and attached them to duffel bags, both at her hands and her feet that were weighed down with weights and books to keep her from escaping. Rome testified that he told Shannon that if she performed oral sex on him, he would make sure he let her live. DNA evidence linked Davidson and Rome to the rapes. No DNA evidence linked George or Boyd to the rapes. Shannon was then forced to call her parents. This was the call she made at 1240 a.m. Oh, my God. That sucks. That's where I was wondering. Yep. So she w- And her mom said she didn't sound, you know, petrified or anything? Her parents said she sounded so normal on the phone. <sighs> what a good actress. She's so brave. Yeah. And, you know, at this point in time, she's being told, if you do these things, we'll let you go. Yeah. And so she's had hope. She's like, okay, she's I'm holding just going to hope. I'm going to just go with what they're saying so of I can course. get out of here. Anything. And meanwhile, she doesn't even really know where Chris is at this time because she's in the tied up in the back bedroom. Yeah. So she even asked Rome, where, where is my boyfriend? And he told her, I don't know. He knew. Of course he knew. Yeah. So authorities suspect that Vanessa delivered the brutal blows to the genital area on Shannon where they said it was just horrific. Vanessa did. Vanessa did Why do they suspect that? I don't know if she was jealous. And based on testimony, I think from the things that I read, she was jealous of Shannon because, of course, her own boyfriend went into the bedroom and sure. you know hey a dumbass it's not shannon's fault yeah she this, got she's a kidnapped uh, by your stupid ass exactly. boyfriend and you're the one making i mean all these people obviously are not good decision makers no they're just terrible so at some point she was dragged into the living room bleach was sprayed into her mouth with the hopes of destroying dna evidence uh, rome told authorities that shannon looked terrified really you think <laughs> wow why maybe because you beat an innocent woman 
Vanessa said at this point they made her, Vanessa, go into the back bedroom, and when she came back to the kitchen, Shannon was being tied into a fetal position. Again, this is where she would have been placed in into the, the, the garbage can. Right. Fingerprint evidence showed that Davidson and Rome wrapped Shannon in garbage bags and put her still alive into the trash can. During the night, Davidson had led Shannon to the bathroom at least a couple of times. He made sure he stood there so that she couldn't run. She was also raped throughout the night. The next morning, Vanessa cooked breakfast for these monsters. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and making breakfast? Yeah, you guys hungry? You want some eggs? I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling Is that girl still alive? Should we, should we give her some breakfast too? She said she brought Shannon water during the morning, noting, noting that she was still bound and had a blindfold in place on this air mattress with the duffel bags secured. So the next morning, meaning this day when Shannon was placed into the garbage can, Davidson called Daphne and asked her to come to the house to pick up her things. Why he did this, I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to guess to show her something. No, because she never knew what was going on. Oh. So Daphne did come to the house. When she arrived, he met her at the door and followed her inside. Rome was sitting on the couch with his head down and George was rolling a blunt. Vanessa was nowhere to be seen. When she headed towards the bathroom because she had some makeup and perfume in there, she um, said that Davidson grabbed her and asked her what she was doing. She asked if Vanessa was in the bathroom, and he said yes. She heard water running, and she heard something fall into the sink, but no one spoke. When she tried to go through the other door, I guess the bathroom had two points of entry, again, Davidson stopped her from going into the bathroom. So he, as she was leaving, gave Daphne a bag of clothes and a ring. These items ended up belonging to Shannon, who authorities believe was being held captive in the bathroom at the time, obviously with Vanessa. Yeah. So when Daphne heard of Chris's death on the news, she suspected that Davidson was responsible. Despite this, she allowed him to stay at her friend's apartment. So they had just broken up the day before all of this went down. Why would she think that her boyfriend was the one that killed this random dude that got burned? Because it was right in the area of where he lived. Uh. They were acting kind of shady when she went over to the house. Okay. And um, so she had broken up with uh, Davidson the day before this abduction because he had been beating her. I guess she was a single mother. Um, good for her for getting the hell out. Well, good for her for getting out the hell out. But then when she's thinking her ex-boyfriend is responsible, she allowed him to come to the apartment where she was staying to escape him. Uh, she even had sex with him that night. Well, I mean, that, that'll happen. But it's like... Maybe because of the gifts he gave her, and maybe she didn't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I can't say. I mean, I've never been a victim of abuse, so I don't know what goes on. Yeah. So the next morning, while she was like laying there with Davidson in bed, her mother called and informed her that Shannon's body had been found in the house and that it was on the news at this point. <laughs> hey, um, that guy that you're dating, uh, this girl's body was found in his house. Yeah. And like, I get out before he kills you. He, she was actually, when she first saw the news, she was convinced that it was her daughter, Daphne. Wow. So I guess while this Daphne's laying there talking to her mom, Davidson can kind of overhear what's being said. And she said his, his eyes were like bugging out of his head. Of course. So um, she did admit to lying to the police at various points about, you know, Davidson's whereabouts. And Davidson, uh, Davidson blamed the killings on Rome and claimed that he forced Shannon to shoot Chris. This is what he's telling Daphne. 
So all the trials were held separately and led by Judge Richard Baumgartner. It was the worst crime Knoxville had experienced, and some of the photos that had been shown in the courtroom were so brutal, people were actually passing out in the courtroom. Well, I mean, burnings and just terrible blunt object force trauma. Horrific. Judge Baumgartner declared that if anyone cried in his courtroom, they would be kicked out. Go fuck yourself, buddy. This is human emotion. Can you imagine? What a fucking scumbag. Well, just wait. You just wait. What's his name? Richard Baumgartner? Yeah, you'll get some more information on Judge Richard Baumgartner. What a piece of shit. So on April 16th, 2008, Eric Boyd was found guilty in federal court of being an accessory to deadly carjacking and failing to report the location of a fugitive. He knew that Davidson was hiding out at this vacant house. He actually helped him get in there. Sure. But he was not convicted of any involvement in the actual kidnapping and murders. Because they got to try to get him on whatever they can. Yeah. So at the time, he was sentenced to a max of 18 years. In August of 2009... I hate, also, I hate how they say a max. Like, he's not going to serve no, 18 years. But just wait. We'll, we'll talk more about that. We're going to go Great. back to Boyd. So in August 2009, Rome was convicted of first-degree murder in the death of Shannon and facilitation of murder in connection to the death of Chris. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Good. The whole time he played this innocent act that he wanted nothing to do with it and he didn't have any part in it. They found Shannon's semen in her mind. or they found his semen in Shannon's mouth. He made it sound like it was consensual and that she was want she even asked him, "Can I do this?" Right. Well, yeah. we all know that's false, we know but that's now a lie. what did he have to did, did he do anything directly to kill anybody? His his DNA was on the bags that her body was found Got wrapped it. in. Okay. So yes. Got it. Absolutely he did. So on October 28th, 2009, Davidson was indicted on 16 counts of felony murder and sentenced to death. 16. I don't understand how you get to 16. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but he was he was basically I mean, that's great. Great sentenced news. to death. Okay. So on December 8th, 2009, George Thomas was sentenced to life without parole. In May of 2010, Vanessa was convicted on charges of facilitation of the murder, kidnapping, rape, and theft of Shannon. She was found not guilty of charges related to Chris's death. On July 10th, 2010, she was sentenced to 53 years in prison. Nice. So all of a sudden now we're moving on to January of 2011, and the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation confirmed that they were investigating Judge Baumgartner, but didn't reveal the reason. Ooh. On January 29th, a statement was released indicating that the judge was receiving medical treatment at a healthcare facility. At the trials, it was discovered that the judge had been prescribed 90 pain pills during the first 14 days of the first trial. What? So he was gopped up on goop? Basically, he was completely high during all the trials. Holy shit. He was just on smack. Just, I don't know what they call it. Smack, the gobbledygook. I don't know. But uh, They determined, and people were even wondering when the trials were happening, he was almost falling asleep on the stand. Oh my God. Speaking extremely slowly, just clearly impaired but i guess because he's a judge nobody questioned him at the exact time that's the problem you Mm -hmm. start saying stuff about the judge and maybe he's a big deal maybe he's a big judge here right so basically he ended up being disbarred and resigned in march of 2011 oh i mean i feel bad for anybody that has addiction issues but but step down you don't you don't represent the most horrific crime that knoxville has seen while you're out of your mind high no shit So Judge Baumgartner was an alcoholic. 
And he developed a drug problem, I guess, when he developed pancreatitis related to his drinking. Ah. Well, pancreatitis is exceptionally painful. You come to the hospital because you're in immense pain. And so they got pain pills, and that's how Mm -hmm. he got addicted. So then he started Ah. doctor shopping in May of 2006 through early 2010. So we're talking many years. Well, this was the hot time of pain pills. I mean, Florida, where we live here, was pretty much pain pill central. Mm -hmm. And it still is. (laughs) Yeah. So he had obtained prescriptions for over 2,500 pain pills from over dozens of do- or over a dozen doctors. And we're talking the Oxycontin and all that stuff. The big guys. I mean, all of them. Percocet, whatever. Yeah. He also found drug dealers. So in addition to these 2,500 pain pills, it wasn't enough for him. Sure. He had drug dealers on the side. Well, he probably made a good amount of money, too, and could pay people plenty of money for these pills. <laughs> and on top of it... He's dealing directly with drug dealers in his court system. Yeah, so he probably knows some of the guys coming through. He actually knows them, and one of them was also a sex worker who had gone through his drug court in 2006. She also became his lover at some point. Of course. So he ended up dying at age 70 in 2018. Uh, Well... A tough, tough life. So then in December of 2011, Judge Blackwood ordered new trials for Rome, Davidson, George, and Vanessa because the judge was likely impaired during the trials. Yeah, I guess I can see that. So um, I'm sorry. Let me find my space here. Okay. So it ended up that Roman Davidson were not granted new trials because direct DNA evidence linked them to what went on. So they were continued with life in prison for Rome, and sentenced to death for Davidson. So that stayed the same. But in November of 2012, Vanessa was found guilty of facilitating uh, facilitating a deadly carjack and kidnap. Her sentence was reduced from 53 years to 35 years, plus she was given credit for the time already served. She has already been eligible for parole, but thus far she's been denied. There's a petition going around that you can sign to help keep her in prison, and Shannon and Chris's families are present at every appeal that she does have. Wow, good for them. This girl needs to stay in prison. Yeah. So six months later, Georgia's sentence was reduced to life with a possibility of parole after 51 years. Okay. Rather Which would than make him, straight what, 80 up. something? I know that Davidson was 25. Vanessa, I think, was only 18. I am not entirely you can sure. You within the same yeah, area. Yeah, somewhere in the same area. Okay. And then Chris's family was still determined that they wanted to see justice served to Eric Boyd because he got off on any kind of charge associated. The only thing he got charged for was like the whole carjacking and hiding Davidson out. Right. They were convinced based on things that were said that he was actually involved in the murder of their son. So they spoke with George Thomas. They actually like went and spoke with him. Like visit him in jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 11 years after the murders, what this entails, I'm not entirely sure, but George threw everything on Boyd. And on August 13th, 13th 2018, Eric Boyd was indicted on first degree felony murder, Whoa, first degree premeditated change. murder, aggravated kidnapping and rape charges in connection to the deaths of Shannon and Chris and was found guilty on all counts. Just because of what George said? Because of what George said, yes. I mean, these scumbags are going to lie about anything. Yes, but they do believe that he actually was involved. Because of one guy saying that. I don't know if it was other words. Maybe some other, maybe other things pointing to like the some some of the uh, 
things that they found. Right. You know, uh, yes. Evidence. Yes. So regardless, his charges were re- way, were much worse. Man. Than so he thought he was off scot free, yes. basically. He's well like, enough. oh, sweet. I'm only having to serve a max of 18 years. Great. Yeah. Which is really probably five or six. Right. And now he's in the slammer for a while. Yes. So, Man. Yeah. So that's it. That's horribly, horrifically it. Yeah. That's, uh, now, I must say, you know, when we tell all these stories, you know, you say that the guy saw that they were four African-American guys. So you don't typically think of black guys uh, doing this kind of terrible stuff. I know. You think of white men. Normally. Well, I mean, that's what the statistics show. Right. I mean, look at serial killers. I mean, most of the cases we talk about involve white men that's and when you said torture and murder and all that stuff in the beginning i'm like this is definitely a white dude and it wasn't like no. that's uh, it's anybody's capable I anybody guess. is capable and it's just so scary to think that this couple was out in the parking lot of an apartment complex getting in the car to go have dinner and then head to a friend's party and this is what happened yeah so just be on the lookout and like you we always say if you get if you change your location with the people that are committing the crime then your odds of survival go way down. So anything you can do, if you're getting carjacked, try to stay out of that car. Do yeah. not go with those people. It's scary, though, because it, they were taken aback. It happened so quickly. And of course, they've got a 22 pistol in their face right. while this is happening. Yeah, you're not going to be like, no, no, actually, let me get out while you have a gun in my face. Yeah. I, they did nothing wrong. Nothing. I'm not victim shaming. It's I'm just, if you horrific. can, it's for us. You know, at least let them, their lives have something so that, you know, maybe you can save other people. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine getting that call from your daughter? I'm sure that mom just thinks back to any time she heard from Shannon. And, and but how would you know you know she no. sounded completely normal and you know you you think back i'm like did she sound weird did she you know yeah, no and you just got to get past didn't. it that's uh, and what would she have done anyways like are you okay and then what nothing no oh man so sad and i can't believe that they just burned chris like that's how inhuman just unbelievable i get the whole like you know usually we hear about putting people into rivers and stuff i know knoxville's on a river but man that is brutal just brutality horrible uh, well, thanks for covering that. Yeah, and until next time. Nope, not yet. Not yet. I'm jumping the gun. Yeah, nice try. I'm the I'm the master of this. Mike, uh, it's circus. a lucky thing we have you here. Thank goodness. So, um, we are recording this like a week or two early. So, if we have more Patreons here, then um, I missed you. I'll get you on the next one. But I um, want to shout out to our Patreons. If you love our show and would like to hear some bonus episodes, we come out with a bonus episode every other week, and um, you have option of tier one, two, or three. Tier one gets one bonus episode a month, and tier two gets every every single bonus episode so um our patreons are lily karen nadine ali susan michael kayla and kelly so thank you all so so much yeah we really do appreciate it and again like mike said if you guys could subscribe and maybe give us a nice review we would really appreciate that maybe tell a friend yeah and uh until next time we'll be back thanks a lot yeah thank you guys bye, bye.